everybody. Welcome to episode 30 of the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. My name is Marvin Yoi. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Christine Minji Chang. Greetings. Greetings to you, too. Put on a British accent. Oh, great. You gotta keep, you gotta keep it up for the entire, entire podcast right, for this then. to work. And joining us, uh, returning to the Collabcast, is Ada Sang, Managing Editor of Asia Pacific Arts, and also Contributing Editor to Audrey Magazine. Hello. How's it going? Hi, Ada. Hello. And joining Ada is Rira Yu, Online Editor for Corium Journal. Yeah, Corium Journal. Corium Journal. Woo! And they're sister publications, Corium and Audrey. They are sisters. Welcome to the valley. May you stay cool and hydrated. I have my water yeah. bottle. Good. Okay. Good call. Good call. We're going to keep this podcast moving so we can get back to AC as soon as possible. We have to turn the AC down in this room because we get a lot of fan noise. Is, and it, that, is it that obvious? Because I don't... You can totally hear it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> this house just doesn't get too Do all right hot. here. Yeah. For the valley, that is. I mean, on episode 30, that's quite a, a couple. Yeah. Another milestone. What are we going to do to 30, celebrate? 30, 30. Oh, my God. It's our 30, 30 episode. Why are you gotta make it dirty? It's not dirty, like bad dirty. God, why you get hip? You have to keep with the lingo, especially that now that you kids? have had a makeover. Is that what the kids say these days? <laughs> yes, the kids. <laughs> I'm a whole year younger than you. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm hip with it. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Never. So we're here to talk about hotties and haikus. Hotties and haikus. This has yeah. been a thing. I. Yeah, we'll we'll get to you later. I'm gonna I want to roast you about there's nothing. Well, anyways, Ada just uh, successfully completed her Kickstarter in one day for Hotties and Haikus, her special oh, column. I guess it was technically yeah. three days, but really? we I think we put it up on Friday and then we just didn't do anything. We didn't tell anybody. I just told some of my friends because mm. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and then Monday. Actually, we were in this meeting. Yeah, it was a very serious, a meeting. really serious long meeting. And I, I was like, oh, I need to, we should promote this thing. <laughs> you know? I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't promoted it yet. So how is anybody going to know about it? But one of the people I had told was Phil Yu, Angry Asian Man, who was amazing. And little did I know, during the meeting. Oh, he's all about the hotties. And yeah, the yeah. I mean, yeah. he is a hottie himself. So like he had promoted it and then we had already started getting like all these um, donations and um comments and I, I i think if you were sitting right next to me and yeah, at some I was, point i looked at my phone and i was like why do i have all these facebook alerts <laughs> i was like what is going on and I just everybody was posting about it and tagging me i was like oh i guess we don't have to promote promote anything <laughs> yeah. we're done promoting the promote i mean it was themselves. a really weird situation because we wanted to write a post about um about the kickstarter on audrey.com but but like Phil already wrote a post, and we're like, yeah, what? No, it's better than what? Oh, he scooped you guys I know. on your own story. Because that's true. Because I hadn't written my, you know, I hadn't been written mine yet, and he wrote what he wrote was so nice. So I was like, oh, I don't. So I think even on my Facebook, I just shared what he wrote. Nice. Yeah. So did you guys end up doing the post on yours? Yeah. We yeah. Did. Nice. But it wasn't as good as Phil's. Yeah. Phil's Typically for like Kickstarter, you have like all your marketing like lined up for the launch, so you can just like blast. Yeah. Yeah. But, we were you know, not. You guys were prepared. just. You guys had faith that this would make you well, guys are double your goal now. You have $2,000. Yeah, because it bank. was 
kind of a joke Kickstarter, you know. It's not like we needed to make a ton of money, so I think that's why we weren't super concerned about、mm. the marketing. I was like, oh, we'll get to it. Well, for、uh, people who don't read Audrey, can you explain、oh, what、yeah. hotties? What is haikus and hotties or hotties and haikus, haikus with hotties?、Oh. So maybe I should、hotties. explain Audrey、Hashtag. Magazine first、yeah. for people who don't know Audrey Magazine. Audrey Magazine is a、um, Asian American women's lifestyle magazine, and we've been publishing for. Eleven or twelve years? I think twelve. Yeah. Okay. Edit that out so I sound、um, smarter, or you don't have to. <laughs> or work for Marvin. I'm just gonna leave that in. Okay, leave it in, because、uh, I've only been around for maybe I forgot three or four years. That might be incorrect as well, but I haven't been around since the beginning. But they've been doing really good work, and the sister, sister publication. We're the younger sibling. The older sibling is Coriam, who just、mm. had its twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah. And that's、um, Korean American. Crazy. Yeah, and. and You guys are both print magazines too, which is right, really yeah, which is yeah, very rare. Pretty crazy. It's like you guys and I think Hyphen are the only Asian American ones. Yeah, does Hyphen、right. still print? I think they print once in a while. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a quarterly. They're like、thing. a quarterly though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Wait,、yeah. so I, I want to know more about the whole thing. Who's in it? Who are the hotties? What's happening? Um, so we I started this series probably a, a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it started with Godfrey, with Godfrey Gao. Gao. Nice. I mean, it all started as a joke. That's how. That's what you expect from a series called Haikus with Hotties, right? No,、um, I take this very seriously. I mean, it is very、uh, serious,、yeah. but it needs to start as a joke. <laughs>、um, and I think I'm like a big Godfrey Gao fan, partially because I'm like Taiwanese American. He's Taiwanese Canadian, but he's done、um, work in Taiwan, and. I watch Taiwanese dramas because me and my husband watch them to try to brush up on our Mandarin skills. That's good. And.、Um, You know, he was in this new drama. I was like, "Oh my gosh, let's watch this!" And as soon as I, I like, show, I kind of innocently showed my husband the trailer for it. Like, we should check out this <laughs> drama. It's called like Volleyball Lover. It's like、so、the greatest like, title. Like, yeah, I was like, choose. Yeah, I was like, I think you、yeah. know, my friend said this was good. We should watch it. And then he.、Um, that's a pro. That's a pro movie choosing. Move right there, right, right. right. <laughs> and then he looked at it. He was like, "I know why you want to watch this because like it was just like Godfrey Gao was on it. He's." So good looking. I had no、and、idea I, who that was before until this year. Oh, really? What was that,、yeah. what was that movie that he was in? Like the、uh, YA? Oh, the Mortal Instruments. Yeah, I heard that the series wasn't、Bones. that great, but the,、um, he the, looked great. <laughs> oh, he would look great anywhere. I know why. Oh, I remember why. Because、um, I'm googling Godfrey Gao right now. Because I was like,、you're, I don't care、welcome. about this movie, but he's in it. It was because of it. it was because of Mulan when they were saying that they're going to make the live version of Mulan,、oh, and everyone started speculating about, about who、yeah. should be cast. This XYZ thing, somebody I I I shared a post about it in on Facebook, and somebody commented in my comment. God, I was like, "Who's that?" And、so、you looked, and you were、awesome. like, "Ooh!" And I said,、that? "Thank you, friend." Yeah. yeah, I can't believe I forgot who、yeah. told me that. I've seen this guy before. Oh, he's very attractive. He, so my so I, like the person I like the most is Takeshi Kaneshiro. Ooh, Do you guys know? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like he's, he's、cool. like a little bit. I don't. They don't look. Oh, he's yeah. A lot、he's, of people. He's a cool、fan. dude. He's. I feel like he looks. It's like a little bit of like a younger version of Godfrey. Of I mean, yeah, they, they he's look... older though, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. Godfrey is the younger、yeah. version of Takeshi because、okay. they have sort of like a similar. They got that kind of like, <laughs> yeah, because Takeshi Kinoshiro, he he's a star in both Japanese and Chinese film. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have so many people look up. Yeah, this is what I mean. That's what we're trying to do with Haikus with Hotties.、Yeah. <laughs> Let you guys know about and the hot like any、men. other Asians movie star, he also sings. Oh yeah, yeah. Takeshi, you're talking、yeah. about. Oh yeah, he was a '90s <laughs> pop star in Taiwan. Yeah, 
which would make you think that you shouldn't take him seriously. But now he's like, you know, a really great actor in like Wong Kar Wai movies and yeah. basically every like John Woo movie. Every oh, he was in Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, he was in. Um, yeah, Chunking Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angels. Yeah, you should watch all of these movies. Anyway, of course, this would go back to Takeshi Kaneshiro, but um. This so is anyway, the second so, time you've mentioned him on this podcast. Did I mention him last time yeah. too? About how Brian used to send you pictures of him. Oh, apparently. that's right. That guy can wear a suit. That's all I can say. Yeah, he's pretty that good. That guy can wear a Man suit. Man Crush Monday. Yeah, I'll just send to you say videos. you're already yeah. like you're already swooning. But yeah. Um, anyway, let me go yeah. back to the haikus of that. So <laughs> let's peel um, this back in real quick. So basically, um, I mean, I read a lot of profiles. So I mean, kind of when you're when you're interviewing people. Like, ideally, you get to meet them in person, and you sort of get a sense of them, and you can sort of build your story that way. So, um, like, we had this chance to interview Godfrey Gao, except for he wasn't in town, and I think they only offered it. So it's like, the first level is, like, in person, second is, like, phone, phone and then third was is email. And email's not fun at all. No. <laughs> right. So I think, like, you know, it was finally, like, we finally got a chance to interview Godfrey Gao, but it was only going to be an email interview, and I think I was just driving home on the freeway, like, what could we do with a Godfrey Gao interview that would be cool, even though we can only do it over email? And I was like, what would be, f- what's something that he could do that would actually be better over email as opposed to like in person, right? It was like, and I was like, okay, so it has to be something where he, if he has to put some thought into it and write it out. So I think I was like, what if we have him like exchange poetry? Because I think I just thought the idea of like hot men exchanging poetry was funny. And I'm not a poet, so I was like, let's do haikus because it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, so I think I just sort of came up with this thing. And I, th- I told my, um, editor at the time and actually the the um canara was the associate editor of audrey for a while and she worked with me at asia pacific arts for a long time so she like knows exactly where i'm going with this and she was like let's do it and then we had to convince anna who's the editor-in-chief and i think at that point i didn't know her that well i just kept just started probably and i think she she was like what do you want to do and i think she was just much too busy to she was just like okay just just do it like you know just let me know because I think she didn't quite get it obviously because it doesn't really make sense until it's a thing um, <laughs> so I went on like I basically had to pitch like Godfrey Gao's publicist like I'm thinking of starting the series <laughs> like I'm starting a series we want to start it with Godfrey Gao because he is like the ultimate you know attractive Asian man and it'll be I don't even know what I said I should dig up my emails um, <laughs> so I think they were probably a little bit confused understandably right right but he did it, and I mean, I attribute like the it's he's the one who started the series. Without like the first person, there's no series. Yeah. So, over the years, you know, we've gotten people to do it. I, every single person has been like a huge pitch, like, but it's been easier and easier as we've had more because then you could sort of because well, Godfrey Gao's. I mean, that's a yeah, easy yeah. pitch. So we did easy, we but. did like Godfrey Gao first, and then the second one, I think I was very quickly like, well, we can't. Like, Godfrey Gao is already kind of, like, the most attractive model, like, Asian-American or Asian-Canadian model that you can think of. Like, if we find another really hot model and do the exact same thing, it's just going to be not as good of a version of Godfrey Gao's. So I was like, well, we got to sort of push the idea of what hotness is, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, let's go, like, a different route. So that's where I went with Freddie Wong. You guys know him, right? He's, like, amazing. Yeah. YouTube guy. But he's not sort of, like, a model, but he's like hilarious he's very talented he you know has um these really great videos 
and then we somehow convinced him to do it. But I think he thought it was funny, right? Like he would like pretend to be like oh, I'm this sure he model. Relished the thought of being a hottie. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? So I think that kind of opened it up. And then we got um, Dante Bosco after that. Nice. He's an actual poet. Yeah, and he was an actual poet. Because <laughs> the whole time, I think I, even the tagline says something about like exchanging mediocre poetry. Because I was oh like, God. I know real poets, so I was like, I don't want to pretend just keep that it we're real, doing. You know? He He's raised like, the bar, this guys. This poetry is raised all just bar. up front, so I can talk to these guys. I know, I was like, it's okay. We're just... And the way it works is that um, it's like three haiku exchanges, and I'm basically asking them a question about their hotness through haiku, and then they have to answer it. It's so random. I don't know why it works. But I think it works because, like, um, so, like, haikus are, they're pretty non-threatening in the sense that, like, I feel like I couldn't actually get away with asking them questions like this in a real interview you know like you about their ask, hotness yeah it's like you can't be like Godfrey Gao so I, I think one of the, the Godfrey Gao yeah yeah so I the do. first one has something to do with like what is it how often oh I have to read it like I'm a poet <laughs> Mar- it. Marvin should read Godfrey Gao's uh, oh yeah <gasps> okay. do it I don't even know how they sound okay it doesn't matter you have your new lazy so I'm gonna play persona. me <laughs> and you're gonna play Godfrey <laughs> all right how often do fans faint from Godfrey's smile or a wink? Be honest, okay? People think I am sexy, flattering, it's true, but I'm just bashful. <laughs> so, like, imagine that I couldn't actually, like, go to an interview with Godfrey Gow and be like, come on, be honest, how often do people faint? When you wink at them, like you can't <laughs> you say that. Say that you could I would totally say that. That's like small that. talk off the record stuff, though. No, I would totally ask that. You know that there's tons of well, internet. You have zero shame, shame, though. So, is are you like insulting me? No. <laughs> I think that it's fun. Like that's, I mean, that's his job is to look good. I mean, not to. It's not a demeaning question. I feel like it's kind of just being jokey. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some people you could definitely ask and they have a good sense of humor about yeah. themselves. But I feel like there's other people, you know, because, you know, they're actors, you know, they want to be taken seriously for their work. For not sure. Just, <laughs> well, that's not like, just like, you know, treated like an object. Of course. That's <laughs> why you wouldn't like, I'm just saying, I don't, if that, that would not be the entirety of your interview. Right, so right. there's like, if you inserted that jokingly at the end, I think it would be totally. It's true. But see, like with the haikus with hottie series, that is the entirety of the I, interview. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's super smart. Yeah. So I think. That, you know, oh, but the thing is, like, when it works well, um, I mean, because c- it's not like we ask it on the fly, right? Like, yeah. we sort of kind of conceptualize a little bit and then um, we. It's a collaboration, right? Collaboration. Hey. <laughs> so, I mean, the plug, idea plug. is like, my, my questions are kind of stupid. And then if they. And it's like a setup. And if they answer it well and they sort of show they have a sense of humor, which most of them do, like, it's like it makes them more attractive. You know, it's of not course. just. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like. That's my guess, as in why it's I mean, caught on. A, I don't know. I wasn't expecting yeah. it to catch on that <laughs> much, but... I think most artists do. I think it's really sad that there are these expectations or stereotypes or whatever of artists to be, like, jerk-offs, because they're not. <laughs> That's I feel like the, the minority are people who are very close. And you know what? We honestly... I just I had this conversation when we were in Chicago... Um, I forgot what I was talking with, but it was just kind of talking from the artist's perspective. You got hounded that much and harassed that much. And yeah, I ask like really demeaning, objectifying questions constantly. 
it would be hard for you to just be like, yeah, I love being treated like a piece of meat. It's great. You know, I totally get that. So you never know why they they may be responding to you in a certain way. Maybe they're just mm-hmm. having a bad day. I think for the vast majority, like artists, everyone that I've met in person has always been super humble and, and awesome. Granted, there's always like your randoms that are like, where's my avion? <laughs> but everyone else has a really good sense of humor and really humble. Yeah. Well, since then, you've had a whole series of these, and now it's going to be a calendar. Oh, yes. Okay, so once yeah. we had seven, so after Dante, um, we got um, Yan Chen, who's like a American Ninja Warrior guy. I don't know if you're a fan of that show, but I love American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> so um, he I heard was, about it through you. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah. So he was, um, last year, he was one of, like, a few people to make it to kind of one of the final stage two. Of Mount Midoriyama, so I found him, and then, and then I think we got uh, Randall Park. That was huge. Randall Park, you get Randall Park. <laughs> <laughs> like people take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't take you seriously after Godfrey Gao. I'm like, why not? No, but I mean, like, not seriously. But it's, no, it's, it's like you have five, right? And Randall Park actually did it. And then we got Chris Din to do it. Nice. So we got the Wong Fu production. And, nice. Um, and then the <laughs> then we got the Sadarso brother. <laughs> Who? Oh my gosh! Okay, oh, so you know shoot. the main, you know the main photo. I don't know if you looked at the Kickstarter. You should pull it up from the it, beach or something. Yeah, it's with them with like animal floaties and their arms yeah. and they're shirtless and they're walking. So they are amazing. Okay, let's talk about that. So what is Wait, so happening who, right here? Wait, so who, who are these guys? Who are these guys? Um, so Blue Ranger. Oh yeah, so Yoshi and Peter. Um, Yoshi's um the Blue Ranger in the new Power Rangers series. Um, but they. I mean, I feel like they um, have an online presence. They have a lot of really, really passionate fans. Because um, I think they've worked with, I think, Wong Fu Production or something. They've just sort of just been around. They've been in a lot of YouTube videos. They have their own channel. Um, and they make a lot of comedy videos. And they're really down to earth. And they sort of share a lot of their stuff on social media. I mean, the girls at Audrey are huge fans of them. <laughs> so I think, okay, so for me, like part of it is the haikus, but part of it is the photo shoot. And it's all, it always kind of matches the haiku. But in a sense, I think I'm always trying to do like a spoof on the mail, like the hotmail shoot. So I've like since the beginning. Is actually, that why? Is that why um, let me describe this this oh yeah. photo for them. It's two dudes wearing hot pink swim trunks, um, short like hot pants swim trunks, wearing um, animal floaties around their yeah. One's their a waist. zebra and one's a pelican. <laughs> so um, I feel like from the very beginning we've I've always we've always thought oh and um I, when I say we I'm probably thinking of Craig Stubing who's like our, our photographer who's done a lot of these shoots but. We've been like, oh, it would be so awesome if we could get somebody to the beach, sort of emerging out of the beach, holding something weird. So we were like, I don't know if it's like a hammer, but it's the idea that like they have to act like they're really hot, but they're like doing holding something that's like completely ridiculous. Oh, you're subverting um, expectations, right? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like like <laughs> the guys who participated in our series probably don't even know this, but we've tried to do that with some people, but we've never asked directly because it's really awkward to be like, so we kind of I don't we know if you're the you type to, of person yeah. who would do this. So I think we like try to take Dante Bosco to the beach to be like, oh, let's let's just feel it out, see if he would be cool with this. But we ended up taking him to the beach, and it was like a super cloudy day, and it looked more like he was in the desert and it was he was really really cold so we were like yeah i don't really think he would be that cool with like taking a shirt off <laughs> like 
what I mean? But it's okay because we got like good photos, you know, that way. And I think with Yen Chen too, we were like, let's go meet at the beach. <laughs> But then, like, I think, like, parking was too crazy, so he found another place to do it. And actually, it ended up being really good because there was, like, stuff for him to climb. I don't If you look at the series, it's, like, him, like, climbing stuff. I don't even know what it's called, but it's, like, doing the thing where you're, you, like, grab onto... It was, like, a tree, and then he can be, go, like, completely perpendicular. Just cause, like, like pole dancing. Is it like pole dancing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, like... Parkour, maybe? Oh, okay. oh, that's probably what but it is. I heard, I heard <laughs> a story from the Audrey girls, and they said that um, you guys didn't even ask them to take their yeah, shirts off. Yeah, okay, here's the they thing. They just took it off so, by themselves. So, like, well, they know for, them, for them, this was the first time where I was just straight up like, this is, like, a dream. Like, our dream shoot. Like, the beach coming out. I didn't even say shirtless. I didn't say dream. shirtless. I just said coming out of the beach, like, kind of wearing something silly. And then they just completely got it. <laughs> like they just complete like the pink shorts they provided they got themselves like i provided the um <laughs> the floaties i went to walmart to find very nice so you're welcome i like these guys but i mean if, if, um, I, if, I, if i had that body i would probably do whatever yeah yeah so it was yeah. great because it was like Hell we took them yeah. there we sort of were like so this is like the idea just like play it seriously and they're like yeah yeah because like there's a point where you're like are they gonna take off their shirts like do i have to and i do i have to have that conversation and i was sort of like the person who would have had to do it like be like so like do you want to take off your shirt now but like I looked over and they were already taking off their shirts. I was like, okay, I don't have to have that conversation there. You know? <laughs> and the thing is, like, they barely needed that much direction. They just completely knew what they're doing. It was just kind of the most hilarious thing nice. I've ever seen. We're going to have a behind-the-scenes video just because it's just so funny. <laughs> you know, they, they just sort of, like, put on the floaties and they completely went into character, like, you know, male model character. So they were just so, like, Got Zoolander. into it, you know? Yeah. And they're, like, really good-looking. So it's, like, it's perfect, right? <laughs> It's an excellent photo. Yeah, yeah, so right now you guys are going through a Twitter, I guess, yeah. poll survey to yeah, see so, who okay. else to fill out the rest of the roster. Right, right? so we have like seven. Well, there's two of them. So technically we have eight guys, but it's like seven months of the calendar. And then we have five more. And we thought it would be fun to put it out for a vote. Not to like say that if it's the highest, if they get the highest votes, that we can definitely get them because it's not actually... You know, we still have to convince them. It's yeah. not like they're going to be like, sure. I'm not going to fake no haikus. But, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, we have this vote going on. Yeah. But what's is awesome really is, um, like Ada was saying, this whole this whole series is all about a kind of highlighting dudes that are, you know, hotties in like very different ways. You know, my personal favorite campaign right now is for our friend Shamira to appear on this <laughs> on this calendar. And by campaign, who are the leaders of the campaign? It's just me and Ada. <laughs> 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 we were able, we, no, we were able to get like two more people to the college. Really? Yeah. Well, but, we recruited yeah. um, Mai, who you know, like I think some of us know here. She works with me at Asia Pacific Arts. Oh, okay. It was just weird because I was checking Coriam's Twitter and I was just like, "What is this?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, it's hashtag Shamira for haikus with hotties." How's yeah. that doing? Get it trending. It's not trending at all. <laughs> <laughs> Such an influencer. I'm pretty sure we need more than three people to get something to trend i don't know i'm saying the creator of the calendar is i don't know man like i feel like the japanese american community needs to get out actually yeah i think there's you know there's a ryan higa following there's some dedicated ryan higa crazy yeah no no yeah of course i didn't mean that there's yeah there's a huge (laughs) follow i I think i was talking specifically about the people who are voting for the calendar Uh, yeah yeah of course, he has a huge following just in general. But not all of yeah. them are coming out to vote for the calendar. Because it's, it's only like whoever has found the calendar. It's not like we have 
a ginormous reach. What about what about like Kihong and stuff? Has I'm surprised he's yeah he's on it. He's on it. He's on it. He's nominated. Yeah, yeah, he has his following. I bet all the usual like suspects. I actually have like, um, because like because I had to count the votes, which is really fun, by the way. So (laughs) I have like like you know these spreadsheets of like votes who you know who's voting for who how many times, and then I like kind of put them in order. And then I just decided to make charts. So I have like <laughs> I have like a chart that's sort of modeled after one of those like Billboard Hot 100 charts. Very it's nice. Like the hot chart. <laughs> and then um, and we see like who's in the lead and where they were yesterday. Do you have like I little fire symbols next to their names? Like if they're ultra ultra hot. I don't. It's only <laughs> I should. You should that's just really let Minji take care of. Yeah, yeah, I know. Emojis. Yeah. Yeah. So we know like who's like right now. Actually, like Daniel Henney was first for a long time well i mean just obviously He's been first for like the obviously. last decade i feel like but like, yes. a, co- yes. but like um, a couple of days ago the um, Eugene Yang fans came out with oh, yeah. and yeah. he overtook they are legion Daniel right there and they- yeah but um Hari Kondabolu has like a huge nice. following which i'm kind of how do you i'm say- i'm rooting for Hari you you probably seen him he's um he does like a- he has a show right or he does Hari. youtube videos he was on yeah. um totally biased yeah. with um w kumel oh he's amazing you should watch his comedy yeah he does a lot of um social commentary yeah like comedy yeah so he's doing pretty well and then yeah. actually oh i love him is, yeah yeah everyone else is pretty cl- close after that yeah? actually um, oh, we get some nominations <clears throat> once in a while so oh, yeah? that's kind of exciting awesome yeah, so um, for everyone, we'll probably plug this again at the end of the podcast. But if you guys just want to lock down your calendar, you can go to the Kickstarter, search haikus for hotties calendar, and you can uh, haikus with hotties. Haikus with hotties. <laughs> to clarify, I'm not the writer here, so <laughs> you gotta, listen to the creator. Yeah. Our publisher was was just like, "What is this calendar? Like, I, like I don't understand. Like, wh- who like would this, buy this?" And I like, feel like this is some like rogue project you guys are creating. Wait, oh, like, this is officially totally like an Audrey calendar. Or um, it's uh, it's an Ada calendar. It's an well, Ada calendar. I mean, so, I mean, it's just like a we it's went like a, a little bit project. rogue because <laughs> we were cause, okay. Here's what happened. Um, I we there's a meeting where I was like, I think it would be really cool, if, if funny, if we had a calendar, but we need like him to, you know, agree and want to publish it, right? Um, but he was sort of like, but like, would anyone buy this? So he sort of tasked me with. He, he was like, Tell, um, can you find out if there's a market for this? Like, like would people actually buy it? And to me, that was like a weird question because like, who am, how am I going to do that? Like, do market research? Like, ask my friends? Like, if I ask my friends, they'll say yeah. So, but is that really <laughs> like what he wants? I, I could just ask all my friends and they'll say yeah. But so I think... I think I I thought it would be hilarious to kickstart it. Not necessarily even to make a lot of money, but just the idea of kickstarting a haikus with hotties calendar. And then Um, have it made. I think it's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, these days, kickstarter is a great way to to prove a market, too. Yeah, and so at first, actually, that's what's so crazy about, like, how how fast it's funded and how much... It's make because right. I think the goal is like a thousand, and we're almost at two thousand now. And what are we? We have twenty. You're a little days over two thousand, yeah. Yeah, but really, like when I was gonna kickstart, I was gonna kickstart it for like eighty eight dollars, just so it was like <laughs> obvious it was a joke. <laughs> But well, then I now, think at some point he was like, if it's to convince me, $80 isn't going to convince me. And I was like, oh. yeah, well, now you have to do it. <laughs> One of my favorite rewards for the Kickstarter campaign is like you'll send an extra copy of the calendar to casting agencies in Hollywood and just like send a handwritten note saying like cast these people. Very <laughs> nice. These hotties in your upcoming yeah. projects. I mean, it's really cool that you guys are highlighting, you know, Asians that can be buff or smart or, you know, funny or 
That's good. Yeah, no, there's diversity within. I, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of baffled because I've had a lot of conversations with guy friends just around dating and and um, perception and things like that. And I don't know. It's 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 bizarre because I, I have plenty of guy friends who are incredibly handsome, really good looking, really charismatic, smart, et cetera, et cetera. But it's kind of like their self-perception is really interesting when they don't look at themselves that way. And you don't want to like blame something saying like oh well society doesn't say i'm sexy but it does kind of make an impact on you that even when you are you don't even see it it was i don't know it just kind of blew my mind there more than one guy friend that i was like dude you're like an incredibly eligible bachelor what have you yeah, but well, they, I mean, they just don't look at themselves like that that's like you know representation like we've talked about before like a lot of times when you're big and buff and on the screen you're usually a bad guy or like a henchman right in movies and stuff like Asian dudes are like always I don't know for me I'm like if Asian dudes are on screen they're they're hired from across the pond to reach a global market and that's about it or to be like an obnoxious sidekick yeah so you get like like I think Jay Chow for like Green Hornet you get like the, the occasional John Cho's and the occasional um for uh, like, Terminator Genesis there was Lee Byung Hun yeah yeah how do you act he's the new he was in GI Joe too right yeah, he was in GI yeah. Joe yeah also. the villain did he ever speak. I didn't watch G.I. Joe. I, feel I, fell, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't he also in that um, Samurai vs. Cowboys movie? Was that him? Did or anyone watch the that? Assassin even... He usually plays like Kung Fu dude in, in the movie season. It's the like we haven't really movies? escaped that. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, yeah, like, um, it'd be cool to see, you know, like. Asian heartthrob. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's right. I can, like. You can tell Hollywood doesn't know what to do with a really hot Asian yeah. or Asian American actor. I think Daniel, like Daniel Henney, is like a good example of that. You know, like he's he did the movie, you know, Shanghai Calling. And he was a romantic lead, and he was like pretty good in it. You know, but like he he can only get cast in that in an indie film made by an Asian American um, filmmaker. Whereas like if he's cast in big Hollywood stuff, he's kind of in the supporting role a lot. and really like Daniel Henney's a leading man role you know what I mean he's yeah. not like a supporting character did, did, I remember he did some interview not that long ago talking about that is he more actor trained or is he more model like what was his background he started like, off as a model okay yeah. and he's yeah, going into he's, acting yeah okay but he's been doing it for a while probably at least like eight years he's now, been in like k-dramas and not like yeah doing yeah that whole thing yeah like that's a whole other universe that I still <laughs> don't know not no, I've yeah. rejected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know what, what was the last prominent role he was in, but he was in the Wolverine movie playing like, like yeah, yeah like silent he was playing like assassin dude. Yeah. The, uh, he has a, um, but he's going to be in, in a Criminal Minds. Coming, yeah, yeah, he's going to be in the reboot of That's cool. Criminal Minds. Crim- Out Wait, reboot? Did, oh, no, did it go it's away? A, it's a sorry, not reboot. Sorry, spin Okay. That's what I meant. Sorry about that. Wait. Well, that's why I think when Keon came into Maze Runner and like played this strong asian american role and he got to be like such a prominent strong character have lines and everything yeah so like, you know, that was a really like big him, deal it's like a big deal or like steve yoon on the walking Dead, exactly it's like a big deal but i think the fact that we're still like sitting here that we're very much in in this universe of arts and entertainment and um we have to think this hard well here's the thing right like the, i think that's abyss. what people like what we're trying to show with haikus with hotties because once you know as i've People have been tweeting me. There's a lot of like, why why didn't you include this guy? Why didn't you include this guy? And, and I feel like the idea behind that is that 
like there's certain people that are obvious because there are so few mm -hmm. but really like because i cover arts and entertainment and like asian american arts and entertainment and we didn't include a lot of guys because we only had 10 and it's like the, in, when you think about it like how many guys are in these huge movies in hollywood then it's just a handful right but that's mm -hmm. hollywood's problem but like if you think about like good looking Asian American actors, like mm -hmm. there's a lot of them. We didn't include most of them, you know what I mean? Like there's so many people that aren't on that list because we only had to, we actually had a meeting, like which 10 should we choose? And it's not a list of, honestly, it's not a list of like who I think is the 10 hottest people because it was, you know, we sort of consulted with like a lot of the Audrey interns. A lot of them are like a lot younger than me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, um, um, and yeah, but I wanted to sort of represent that, right? Because I was looking at the, like what, who I had before, and I was like, I think the over 30, I'm representing the over 30 group pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, it's sort of the idea is like, you know, how do you um, cover different areas, like have some diversity? And then it was sort of also the idea is like, this is very specific. It's for this calendar. So it's, you're sort of thinking like, who might actually do this? And you have like some long shots, but some that you think might be accessible. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, it's not just, you know, hotness is very complicated. <laughs> it is. It is. Contextualizing it. It's true. Like, I had to do, um, my friend um, assigned me the story at PRI.org. It was um, it was a story about um, Asian American representation in Hollywood, and they interviewed John Cho for it. But they wanted something to go along with it. So they asked me if they, I could um, pick five actors that they were, um, five Asian Americans that Hollywood should cast more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I asked her so many questions because I was like, you don't understand. This is like really difficult. I took it so seriously because I was like, what? Like, because he was, she was like, hot, you know, top five hot Asian actors. Asian American actors and I was like or Asian I don't I don't know if it was Asian or Asian but that was my first question Asian or Asian American like you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, what do you yeah. want and um and then it was like so but like what kind of hotness like is it and it's like the it was if it's about casting like who should they cast that's like very specific right mm -hmm. it's not like I'm just gonna think of the first five guys it's like like who should Hollywood cast who might they actually cast and then I also thought I thought a lot about this because I you know I was like who is the readership for this right like yeah like if we are because if your readership is like Asian American and they already know like the Daniel Hennies of the world like you might play around with it and try to subvert expectations right but mm. their readership's like mainstream America right so I was like okay so it can't be like like this guy that I nobody knows but I think is really hot and I really want people to know about it like you got to like go for like like you got to educate. <laughs> yeah, you got to educate go for the, like, the home runs, right? Yeah. So I feel like that list, that list is very different than yeah. You know, well, it's so like did that you list have to go with like kind of I guess traditional norms of hotness or like because you can't I, I like mean, really honestly, throw in like, your for like, that yeah. for that list. I went for like people I thought they would actually cast because they had a huge body of work. Oh, okay, and I could see them. You know, what I mean, whereas like. Other so, people, like, maybe they're really hot, but they haven't done that much. Or maybe they're not that good of an actor, but they're really hot. Like, you don't want to, like, put them in there because, like, Hollywood true. casting agents will be like, oh, like... Because well, I feel like you want to, like, direct your readers to, yeah. like, their body of work, right? Yeah, like, check out exactly. this person in this movie. Yeah. Check out that person in that movie. Yeah. And, like, look how cool his one line is. Yeah. You know? So that's, you know, the different levels of hotness, people. But yeah. the thing is with Hollywood, honestly, if they are really good looking not that talented and have a giant Twitter following, Hollywood still would hire them. <laughs> Let's right, be real. Right. <laughs> so I don't know that's just the re this is the thing that we talk about and then we keep learning within the industry of like 
just what counts. And this has nothing to do with being Asian. This is just kind of like if you want to make it in the industry, like what well, gives I don't you really a boost? see a lot of like, I mean, you have stars with followings by virtue of being stars, but I haven't really seen a lot of like social media stars cross over to mainstream as much. They still get the leg right. up though. Like if there's a new project, if there's mm-hmm. a TV show, and like you, that's how you start though. You start with getting a guest star, a co-star appearance, or whatever, and it, and it grows from there. It is just it's a known fact. Like if you have twenty thousand Twitter followers versus someone who's like Shakespeare theatrically trained but like has fifty or a hundred. That person, for for casting directors, it is a big draw because they're trying to put you in a series. They want viewership. Like, that's what drives everything. I'm sure, like, Arden Cho's following helped her when she got Teen Wolf. I'm not, I mean, yeah. she's, I'm not saying she's not talented, but, you know, I'm sure it helped her, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, the her, the history of her careers. I don't even... She was modeling and... She was modeling and she was doing stunt work. Okay. And, um, and she awesome. was doing a lot of music. Actually, before she got casted for Teen Wolf, uh-huh. uh, she was about to go on a college tour because she had just released her own album. Uh-huh. But then right when she was about to go on tour, she got a call back for Teen Wolf. For Teen Wolf. And mm. she had to cancel her entire tour. And this changed her her entire life, pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this with singer friends of mine, and they're like, well, what if I dove into acting? I'm like, the reality is you would have to work on the craft. You would have to get really good at it. But the fact that you already have a base of, you know, a fan base definitely would not hurt you. So I don't know. That's why I think like that's why a lot of people are disillusioned and frustrated in Hollywood because they're just like, well, the next model will come along and. As long as you're pretty to look at, it doesn't matter if you can act. I don't know. That's, I mean, that sounds super bitter, but that's like a harsh reality of the business, right? Like you have to have some sort of appeal, whether it is being super funny and like you have a Twitter following just because like you write the best tweets on the planet, which some people are like really, really pro at. Um, those things matter, you know? But do you think that, I feel like that definitely matters in the short term, but do you mm-hmm. think... Oh, longevity, longevity, yeah. I don't see Oscars in their future unless, again, they develop into really having a strong craft. But I'm saying in terms of reaching mainstream, um, you know, popularity and reaching mainstream favor, I don't equate the two with, like, you have to be ultra-talented. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess, I mean, that kind of still feels like a really cynical way of, of looking at things. I kind of feel like when you're casting someone, like, I think being able to play the part still matters. And if the only difference is Twitter following, I can kind of see that. But if the difference is between talent and Twitter following, like, I don't know if that's enough to push them up. I don't know. I I mean, mean, so much goes into casting. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying at all that that's the only thing. There are talented actors who get turned down just because they don't look like the characters. Right. Just because they don't have, like... There's so many different things. Like, you can be perfectly talented and, like, the best at that character. But if that character, you you don't look good on camera with your co-star, it, it just doesn't yeah. work. The chemistry's not there or like, you know, yeah. so many different things. I'm not saying that Twitter following is the only thing. I'm saying it helps you though if you have one. Like if you have, not Twitter, but I'm saying social media presence and popularity. Yeah, it's like if you get down to the final two, yeah. Yeah. both of you are really, really talented and really good looking, which is probably true. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> there's, there's tons of that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right? I'm not saying being popular excludes being yeah, talented, yeah. There, but like if you're talented and popular because you're really good looking and a lot of people like your Instagram photos it gives you a leg up that's not cynical i think that's just reality that's so, why like, america's next sense. top model has that whole like social media thing on the show 
You really? Know. Oh, yeah. what? Well, I haven't been following now. What's because uh, like now they, uh, you know, now it's like co co ed, right? Like okay. it's like guys and girls, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like a sex top model, and um, people get eliminated based on like social media like followers because like they'll like post their photos on Instagram, and if you don't get enough votes, then mm. wow. Yeah. Well, that's their yeah. That's kind of everyone's trying to gamify their their reality TV shows now. Like well, every- just calling in is not enough anymore. You gotta have engagement. Because that's how you get people's eyeballs onto the brands that they're marketing, right? Like all the product placement, all the advertising, all the things. Yeah, oh, that's what television say, is. <laughs> I was gonna say one of the more popular stories recently on Coriam was the um, the model, the oh, Korean Justin model, Kim. Justin yeah. Kim. Yeah. I don't know if you want to tell us fine. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Justin. Let's tweet this to him. <laughs> I don't love know if you want to describe Minji. it for people who don't know about it. Um, Other than him looking fine. <laughs> fine. Um, I mean, that's, that's all. That's, that's all, all, really. Like, it's just, I haven't watched the show. So, oh. <laughs> like, I can't really say much about See, it. This, guy, this guy's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have was it, it was, is it like the is he the first Korean American? He's on the, the first show? Korean American male because oh, they just here. started um, bringing in male It's the first time they ever had males, right? Have there yeah. been Asian American males on the show before? Or females? Oh uh, yes, there's been an Asian American male in the last season. I forgot oh. his name, but he's like um, he's he's mixed. He's biracial. Oh, okay, yeah. but he was like one of the finalists, and he was oh. like a fan favorite. Interesting. Have, well, have there been there's so I'm guessing there's been Asian American women. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's been a lot actually. I haven't been keeping up. Well, the show's been on for like a jillion, like years. over a decade now, right? It's like, like their 23rd cycle, I think. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot of models out there trying to make it. Yeah. Didn't they have a? Did they ever have a segment for under? They did, right? Like they for, had a college edition. They where, had a college. Did they have one for like shorties? Oh yeah, the petite section. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They had to be shorter Fight than five norms. foot seven. God, that's like every normal woman out there. <laughs> what is the average height of like your average is like four, five four, right? Mm. Like five four, five five. I'm still under that. <laughs> I think that depends on like ethnicity and stuff too. There's a lot of factors into like average, like also where you grew up. You know, yeah, growing true. up in America, growing up in another country. You know, people who grew up in America tend to be better um, nutritionized. If you go to if you go to Europe, everybody's really tall. Yeah. Isn't Europe. everyone really tall in Korea right now? That's what I heard from from my friends who went recently. I haven't gone in like eleven years, but I heard they're all significantly, on average, taller. Well, Koreans are on average like taller than most Asians, right? I, think. I, don't, I don't think so. I'm not not from sure. what I've understood growing up. I think we're pretty all small. Hmm. Not small, but definitely not above average. I'm five foot five, so yeah. My cousin's five seven, almost five eight. I'm five one, but like, I don't know. I've never we've never been particularly I tall. Guess. Well, I mean, so traditionally, they, they take like, growth hormones. Though I think generally, like, the more north you are, the taller. You, that's kind of like the like the the Chinese thing. It's like the more north you are in the country, the taller you your like average height is. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know any of these things. All I know is. I get criticized about my height, but I don't care. <laughs> I really like my height. I like being small, and I never really realized that I was small until I was around 18. I like didn't, it was not of a concern, but then everyone else gave me crap, and my dad started telling me that I should take growth hormone injections. Really? Yeah, I was like, why? Did what she did stop you? growing at like... Yeah, I, mean, I, I went through puberty when I was 10. Oh my so God. I, or not before 10, 
But I was a youngin, and you know, I I went through my growth spurt. I got my boobs and all that stuff way before middle school, and so I was the tallest in my class. And then I stopped, and then everyone else started growing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was no longer in the back row of my school photo. Uh, you know, everyone it's else. It's interesting. Kind you of feel just... like a tall girl. I guess so. And like it, it, people make fun. They're like, "Oh, you have a big, big personality." I don't know. I just never really recognized it. And then when I was in high school, I went to. You know, it was like 95% white people. And so a lot of really tall white girlfriends and I love all of them. And I would hug them and I'd be like right in their boobs. And like, oh, <laughs> so I'm like low here. And it'd be really funny. And they're like, oh, my little, you know, they all called me Chang because I was the only one in the my high school. Asian? Not the only Asian, but the only Chang. Oh. So that was my name. Like the principal, everyone called me that. And like, oh, my little Chang. Like they would like, I'd be like their little <laughs> oh my pet. God. I didn't take offense to it. They're just, I was just like, they're a little doll. I didn't care. But that's when I realized, I was like, oh, I'm a little shorter than the rest of you. <laughs> Again, didn't care. I think I've always been the tallest in my class. Oh, how yeah. tall are you? I'm six foot. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Good work. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Getting nutritionized. And exercising. Oh, yeah, traditionized, for sure. I grew after uh, I grew in college. I grew two inches. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. So stopped, like in my driver's yeah. license, it says like oh five foot three, and then like a year later, I'm like oh never no, mind. No, I'm not. <laughs> you didn't change this. This is a fake ID. <laughs> That's actually pretty late for B for like yeah, height for growth, growth, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Rare is a late bloomer. I am in everything. It's, it <laughs> it's just good to bloom, man. Yeah. Who cares if it's early or late? I had enough problems blooming early, so <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah, that's our that's our feature topic right there. I guess that that went crazy places, but um, not even. We didn't even start talking. I don't know what you're talking about. That didn't even get started on shit we get through, like put through. <laughs> I feel like we were pretty focused. Hotties, yeah, it's the hotties <laughs> episode. <laughs> There well, are different versions of hotties, guys. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with our roundtable discussions. Hey, guys. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by the Collaboration Movement. We're all about empowering Asian Americans in pursuing their passions in the arts and in life in general. Uh, we got a couple updates coming up this saturday uh, we have our inaugural collaboration empower leadership conference so excited yeah we're gonna have a lot of great panels um great keynote speakers our guest we is gonna be on it uh, on our writing panel it's gonna be awesome and um yeah for more information go to www.collabempower.org to find out um what to expect and also to register um it's gonna take place in los angeles so uh, sorry everyone else but um if you're in la um this weekend come on by it's gonna be awesome if you're in houston um there's an open mic on thursday august 27th check out the collaboration houston facebook page for more information and a couple new shows just got announced collaboration sf's happening on 10 10 um october 10th um it's going to feature buzzfeed's ashley perez as your host it's also going to have a bunch of their alumni coming back for uh for one more round i'm so sad i'm missing that show like truly truly heartbroken but you guys are gonna kill it it's gonna be awesome yeah and finally the finale of the collaboration season collaboration stars happening on november 14th at the Arakani theater in little tokyo so uh, mark your calendars it's gonna be awesome you heard it here first yeah seriously no. though i want to plug in power because i want to plug in power 
Um, it's going to be a really, really exciting event. I mean, I've just been coordinating and going back and forth with the speakers and the moderators, and everyone's really preparing hard um, and putting a lot of thought and, and passion into preparing some good conversations. And, you know, a lot of that depends on, like, the people who show up and them being open and being courageous to get up at that mic and just, like, ask the questions that they may have initially been scared to ask. So, um I'm excited to do a recap next week. But if anybody's in the LA area, can't wait to see you there. Come say hi to me. You know, I have people come up to say, I listen to your podcast. I feel like I know you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you said, and so, and someone in Dallas said that to me too. I was like, wow, that's awesome and weird. And I don't know what to do with that. But I'm more than happy to, to say hello to people and, and, and hear your thoughts on everything. So please do say hello. Yeah. And if you have any um, emails, questions, feedback for us, um, feel free to send it to us at podcast at collaboration.org. Um, we also would truly appreciate it if you give us uh, a good rating on um, iTunes. Um, if you give us a five-star rating, we'll even give you a shout out. Wink, wink. And yeah, that's the collaboration update. Oh, um, plug for our guests. Um, check out their work on Asian Pacific Arts, um, Corium and Audrey. They do some cool stuff there. So check them out. And we're back. Welcome back to the Collabcast. Um, hope you liked that little break. This is the first time we had a break? Yeah. Oh, wow. Commercial breaks. <laughs> Someday we'll have sponsors and we'll be able to, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed. But um, now it's time for our roundtable segment where our guests um, bring in topics that they'd like to discuss with us. Ada is going to a conference in D.C. <laughs> yeah. This coming week, and um, would like to, us to help her brainstorm some stuff. So, yeah, I'm yeah. going to a conference for the Society of Features Journalism, and I was asked to brainstorm about um, millennials and journalism. Specifically, the question is, um, what journalists don't understand about millennials? <laughs> and I didn't know until I <laughs> had to think about the answer to that question that I was a millennial because I always thought. Like, millennials were a lot younger than me. But I, I guess, like, I think, like, the 80s. Yeah, I the think 80s, millennials still is, a I think 82 is the front cutoff, I oh, want to say. Oh, see, I'm 82. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 84, Minji's 84. So we're kind of, like, the advanced guard of the millennials. <laughs> oh. And then it goes till like, I think... End of the 80s, right? End of the like 92? Like no, like 90s, early 90s. Like, I always 90s, thought, yeah. so apparently I'm wrong, but I always thought millennials um, grew up with technology, and that was one of the distinguishing. Isn't that Generation no. X or um, not ge- Generation X? Well, so, um, as someone who read a couple articles on gener- generational okay. theory, um, Generation X is kind of like that's like reality 70s bites, to like 82 yeah like those are the people who grew up who came of age during like the 80s right so um generation y which we are we are which is the millennial generation now that we're called we came of age during the the 90s and the early aughts so yeah, see, i didn't realize so generation early, y and millennial was the same yeah thing. so we're the generation that is can bridge the gap kind of we we grew up without technology and then we adapted and then the next generation which still is unnamed they're the ones that grew up totally like kind of gen z they're yeah. they're gen z they don't have like a millennial term but they well there's been a lot of so um there's uh i forgot the name there's this millennial theory that called them the homeland generation because they expected so um there's some generational theories that say that generations generations go in cycles and so you can predict how certain generations um grow and kind of develop based on where they fit so our generation is kind of 
um, they call it the hero the hero part of cycle because we grew up during a crisis. We came of age becoming problem solvers and becoming like kind of independent. And the next generation, because they grew up, they were born during a crisis. Like the, the theory, I need to look up this theory, but um, basically they grew up kind of protected because they grew up during a time when like their parents want to protect them from like the crisis, like the financial crisis, things like that. And because of that, they kind of grow up more sheltered, um, which is kind of what's happening these yeah. days. You know? Yeah. But I just um, looked it up and apparently Gen Y is all the way to early 2000s. Okay. So it's a pretty broad. It's like a twenty I'm year. I'm a millennial. Yeah, too. you're a total yeah. millennial. Yeah. yeah, I think anyone who's just entering college now ish or high school is Gen th- Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. That's, that's what's so thing. weird to me because I feel like, especially with technology so quickly, like or, or progressing so quickly, it seems like the generation should be going faster. Like I feel like people <laughs> that are five years younger than me are, are so different. You know, I'm not, I mean, in terms of how they relate to technology. So the idea that I would be speaking for someone who's Rira's yeah. age is very confusing. Well, the thing me. about like the early 80s portion of like from the 80 to 85 is we're kind of caught in the middle because we have some Gen X tendencies, but we're definitely millennials in terms of like our behaviors. Because Gen X... Gen X traditionally has always been the more counterculture generation. They're the ones that, like, I think traditionally grew up latchkey kids. Like, they, they kind of had to grow up fast is kind of the, the generalization for that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of the, that um, upbringing, that's why their kids, Gen Z, are more, like, they're more, like, concerned about stable family, things like that, you know. I like that the word, I don't know, the hover parents. Yeah, ho- helicopter just, like, parents. Helicopter parents. Yeah. Like, they monitor every freaking thing. I got really... <laughs> Minimal, not minimal. I just didn't get monitored nearly as thoroughly as some of these kids that I know that are growing up now. And mm. who knows what the outcome will but, be? I mean, it definitely yeah. went through like rough times as a teen. But I mean, I was reading a post from our friends about how like um, his older kids are millennial generation, and they like they, when they were growing up, they like rode their bikes everywhere, like you know, to go places. And his youngest kid, who's more Gen Z, doesn't want to like ride his bike outside because he doesn't like he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go explore. He wants. He likes being at home, you know, or like maybe that's his personality. Though I'm wondering if that's like. But that's kind of like the um, the general. Um, well, parents now don't let their kids ride their bikes. Period. Though it's like I feel like there's more caution about that now. Like yeah. you shouldn't ride your bike anywhere. Like I don't know if you're going to get kidnapped, and well, I don't know if you're going. You that's know. kind of. I mean, there's something to that that pattern. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. No, I'm saying that there's a generational difference. Wait. So, what is it that you need to research? Like, what are we trying to help you brainstorm? <laughs> well, it's like, so, in terms of how we both produce and consume journalism, like okay. we gen- we it's a little bit different than I think um, generation. Yeah. And I guess that's the question, right? Like, what the question is: what journalists don't understand about. And it's like kind of it's a little bit of a weird question because I mean, you're kind of assuming news changed. Yeah, kind since of. like. I think I think there's it has... so many sources. I feel like it's hard to trust information now. Well, there's that. I kind of feel like it's also like the millennial generation. Like we're known to be kind of freewheeling, like free thinkers. Like we're not into like routine, right? So we're not into like turning on the seven o'clock news every night to like get informed about things. Like we we grew up in the age of maybe not grew up in the age of instant gratification, but instant gratification. Like we want things now. It's like we, we can get whatever we want whenever we want. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you wait? Like, it, like if you, why would you wait an extra week to watch your favorite TV show when you could wait till the end and then watch it all at once? Potentially, there's, yeah, yeah, but there's people who consume that differently. But I feel like now, just because of the social media aspect of our lives, that it's such a daily—that's our daily routine. 
is going on social media, yeah. then it then is fed to you. You don't go seeking it out. So kind of whatever is most popular at that time or whatever's trending, that's what's your, what you're going to end up consuming a lot more of, whether it's completely sensationalized, whether it's garbage and there's no truth to it, um, whether it has completely, you know, no value in, in educating you in anything real. Well, that's I think still that, like... I think that's like a big thing, right? content. Like people who are like... A little bit older than us, you know. They to get their news, they would go to sites like they would go to New York Times, they go to LA Times, yeah. they go to New York or something like that. Whereas, I'm guessing most of us find stuff on our social media feeds. It's like what people share, or maybe we go to like certain Facebook sites or not not sites, but you know, we have the feeds, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like a couple of years ago, there were not that many news channels. There was only like what like. ABC, like CBS, like the main like channels, and that's where you got your news and all of your um, all of your journalism. But now you have right. like Huffington Post, Vice, Verge, like yeah. all of these sources. Yeah, instead of anchormen, you have like writers you follow or like certain people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, how do you guys get your news? Is it through Facebook, Twitter? I've kind of gone through this transformation lately, where I listen to NPR every day. It, be- it became part of my morning routine, and I don't know why or how that happened i started became a podcaster and part of part of that but also i was just like like, it was actually the app i was like wow this app like it updated on my on my new iphone which i sold my soul to purchase earlier this year um and i was like wow this app is very like easy to navigate and i liked how they had all the different programming and so because i think the user interaction with my app became a little bit cooler to be honest I was like a little bit I'm guessing that there was part of me that was more willing to do that and I already knew that it was good to be informed so it took effort on my part but I also do credit I mean I'm sure NPR's team put a lot of effort into like making their app even more streamlined and more accessible and more user friendly so that people consume that and then I noticed that their sound programs um, became shorter so I was listening to three to five minute news updates on X, Y, or Z, and I would just let it play as a playlist. That's how I started. But before, it used to be my New York Times. That's That was always my reliable source. Like before, even since I was in high school, until New York Times published it, it didn't really like get confirmed to be legit or have happened. Like all these other sources were questionable, right? right. So that's how I grew up. I just got, I had subscribed to things, and so they came into my inbox and then before that, I was like Yahoo. I was on Yahoo <laughs> Mail, but yeah, that's still it's still Twitter and like Facebook are still huge sources of like whatever my friends are sharing, especially about earthquakes. <laughs> there were a couple, yeah, this past weekend, yeah, yeah. But you find moment to moment. Oh, that was an earthquake. It was a four point six. Yeah, and like anytime like, <laughs> big news is like people share it. You know, like the the blast in Tianjin um, last week, or like um, the wildfire in Big Bear right now. A lot of people are sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I. I guess it depends what kind of news. Like the news I get on Twitter is usually like what's you know it's what's trending, what's hot, like what everyone's talking about. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a while since I read anything print. Um, like the print magazine I read are more like features based, like ink, like things that are less news, more like educational or like informational things like that. I guess um, that's a good question. How yeah. much do you guys read stuff on print? Not that much. I still I got. Um, Citibank gave me points for something. I didn't really use my card, but I got points. And so they're like, get free magazine subscription. So I did. I get average about five magazines a month, which is a lot. And I feel really guilty. Um, but I, I browse through them. So I do, I guess, superficially in a very shallow way, absorb stuff. 
So I kind of see what's hot. I get entertainment weekly. I used to go to gossip sites a lot. When I was in college and stuff, I always was reading Perez Hilton. Um, I was just really, that whole celebrity surge that started back in the early 2000s, like really, I, I got sucked right into that vortex, man. But does, now I don't go anymore at all. Does Kindle count as print? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys use Kindle? I do. But not for news, like for oh. books, right? Yeah, for books. I've never encountered anybody who read things like, like a newspaper on Kindle. Oh. That sounds weird. I guess not on Kindle, I but I like. I have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal on my iPad, so. Oh, so on tablets. I like read that once in a while. I haven't read it in a while. I'm paying for it, so I should probably read it. But how um, much of your news do you absorb through uh, videos? Because I feel like a lot of uh, articles are now being, yeah, <laughs> like formatted into like video, yeah, format. I don't really like watching not as much like if if I like load up if if I load up a link I clicked on from Facebook into like a Washington Post or Huffington Post or whatever and a, and a video was running I usually click that off because I find that distracting I feel like I like reading more than watching yeah same here um, but I also like listening sometimes more than reading <laughs> so yeah so like even yeah. like NPR listening yeah. In the morning. Because I think we're multitasking. Exactly. Like I'm cooking breakfast and I'm putting my pot of water on the stove and whatever. And I'm listening. Still, I'm not like truly. No, I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think there's like multiple things at play. right? Like one is um, like the content is important, but almost like the the convenience of getting people that content is just as important, maybe even more important. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that's changed is like, Kind of multimedia is a lot more important. Kind of like video and yeah. like audio. I mean, and then sort of shortness. I think people. <laughs> yeah, have like I, I think the format span. of articles have changed quite a, a bit in the last five years. Because like before, I feel like you had these long, sprawling articles, but now because of you know bloggers and like other sites they're a lot shorter they're like 400 to 500 words and sometimes they break it down it's it's almost like every site has has kind of like this listicle format everyone's trying to chase that buzzfeed like yeah format, chase right? that buzzfeed yeah. format because it's doing really well for them it has but. been doing extremely well <laughs> so let me do you guys ever read kind of like these longer feature stories because that's all something we always sort of think about because we we keep them Maybe because we like them. Or we I like, like them. them. I like them. I like them I, and I feel like not. I grew up reading them, and I still like them. You know, if I'm, you know, these, like, really long New Yorker profiles or something. It's I think like super long, but I, I feel like if they're really good, I still really like yeah. them. Yeah, if they're good. That, I think that's what the natural evolution of, of the journalism aspect has become, is that I think the the descriptors of, like, what a good writer can do, or, like, what defines good writing has changed because in the past things had to be strictly informational to the point and people would still consume it voraciously because they're just they need that info they have no other way to get it right now i think you need to be able to be engaging and to, to a degree entertaining with your news so that you you don't lose interest right like you can't it's not to become like a novelist or like completely change the facts about what's what you're reporting on but that's why I think the whole video and the voice part comes in. Like, you have to be engaging. Like, I've listened to podcasts where the voice is just so dead and flat. I don't want to listen to it like at all because yeah. I will find another way to get the same information in a more entertaining, enjoyable way. So my enjoyment now is, is a part of this 
news consumption process, I guess. If it's not enjoyable, then you can always yeah. find someone else. I mean, else. with the, those longer articles, I think these days narrative is like the way you tell it is, has a lot to do with it. I mean, that's what made serial so compelling, right? It's the way they, they told that story and then unfurled it. But yeah. I listen, I, I read, I, I, so the things that I end up reading that are really, really long um, are much more casual. So I guess, I don't know if that qualifies as, I'm curious as like, is that qualify as news? People write what do you about mean by casual. They cuss. They like use oh. jargon that's. I think that's ca- That's more. Yeah. It's le- Do you know what I'm saying though? That yeah. style of of a formal, mm. informational, factual kind of thing. Yeah, I guess is- I can sort of explain why. So it's kind of the difference between like if I do a profile on somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I gonna take that and then just put it into a Q and A and like edit it so it's like really really short, or am I gonna like try to tell a story about it and sort of like you know talk about. The, you know the intro sort of craft something for you to read and mm-hmm. i think that's something that we're always talking about because really like as writers we like doing that because it makes for an in- more, more yeah. interesting story and really like especially for entertainment everybody's interviewing the same people and doing the same thing and like just copying the same thing mm-hmm. yeah. so i feel like that's so lacking and it's sort of like doing a really good profile i mean i i think that in itself is kind of a millennial thing like millennials are known for like questioning things right like we, we ask why should we care a lot right mm. and that's kind of what you're talking about like you're you're giving the reader a reason to care. Like, why should I care about this person that I'm, I'm, you know, that I'm interviewing or that I'm reading about? And you know, if it's just a straight up Q and A, like, you know, you don't really get into it as much as if it's like, you know, if there's some setup or there's some like kind of reason why you should yeah, care. Yeah, you would think so, but then also like if it's like really long, then no one's gonna read it. Yeah, either. so it's like <laughs> we get more we get more attraction with Q and A. Yeah, pieces. Mm. So I feel like as journalists, kind of trying to strike that balance, we're always trying to, you know, because it's like we like the more reported, longer stuff. And it's I feel like if people did read it like that, is um, you get more out of it. But like if you're just looking at click clicks, it's like adorable babies and pet puppies and um, just sort of these knee jerk reactions to stuff. <laughs> people getting mad about something. Yeah, but I kind of feel like. If you were talking about journalism and kind of, I don't think you, I mean, you're competing for them for eyeballs, but I don't think that's really your competition. Like you can't frame it that way or else you're going to be chasing like an unattainable goal for like what you guys are doing. Yeah, right? I feel like that's sort of, that's always been my theory, but I might be wrong <laughs> where it's sort of like, because if you compete with that, you're going to lose yeah. and it's like, you're not going to have stuff that you're that proud of whereas like if you don't compete with it and you like gives them something that like nobody else has then even if it takes people longer to discover it like you're going to be unique i don't know that's like a theory i mean yeah i mean it's it's a lot of you know you have to find your audience but you have to make sure like the audience will stick with you yeah and that's kind of the but thing it's, with, like, but it's really hard if yeah, like, everybody's like, looking yeah. for the f- fastest thing. I don't even think yeah. it's a millennial thing at that point. It's just, just like every, the internet yeah, thing. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> like all the no- There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of like, you know, you see it all the time, like clickbait sites where like someone's taking someone else's content, but like putting it, slapping it on their site so that they get the eyeballs and then they get the data and they sell it to whoever wants it, right? Like um, these days, like most sites have the same business model, which is like get people onto my site get their information and then sell it for money. 
But I think in light of that, in light of, and again, not a generational thing, but kind of more of like a bigger societal issue that we're having with shorter attention spans and blah, blah, blah. In light of that, people are definitely catering to that and making all sorts of short, not too informational, clickbaity kind of things. Then it adds, I think then it actually raises the value of true, like well-written, lengthier, more in-depth and, you know, analysis or whatever, or news reporting that is, you know, increasingly becoming a rarity. And then maybe it, it kind, I think it's just going to kind of balloon and keep fluctuating where people don't pay attention to other expansion time. But they're like, oh, wait, no, I'm sick of all these like stupid, irrelevant pieces of news. I want to actually, I feel like that's where I'm at now. Where like NPR, I made a conscious effort. Like I want to stop spending so much of my time watching irrelevant videos. They're still in my life, granted, but like, <laughs> yeah, less. Not, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, like they're to not bad. Out. A yeah. lot of them are They're highly amazing, entertaining, so. but I want, to, I want to know what the hell I'm voting about now. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's election year yeah. next year. And I want to know what's happening in the world. I want to know where my dollars are going, why the prices of my food are going up, what's happening with the drought. Like, I care about that more now. So as maybe the solution is wait for millennials to grow up there's tons of like really yeah. mature mis- and that's what well, I'm saying they become influencers right yeah, and then I they mean, share stuff that's we're, really we're growing the phase where we're becoming like millennials are now solidly like the young adults like we're the entry level we're like the next generation like we should be moving into middle manager roles if only the baby boomers boomers would retire I mean we talked about this before but like you know like we're we're at this phase now where we're poised to become like the deciders Right, or at least play a bigger yeah, role. Yeah, and, de- and the idea is like, where do we take it? Yeah, you know, where? Because I mean that. I mean, this idea is not new. I mean, since the beginning of journalism, right? It's like <laughs> the idea of like, you know, you have a business, so you don't, you know, you need to make money. But yeah. at the same time, you're trying to provide a service, right? You're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it. You should. There's a lot of jobs that make more money. <laughs> you, know I mean? it's like, <laughs> you know, you're. It's like you're not. The idea of like having. Going into journalism and catering to like people who want like really fast paced like clickbaity stuff yeah. is, is not why you go into journalism, yeah. right? Um, I mean, but even, then it's sort of like how do you navigate that? Because it's true, like people's attention spans are like shorter, and there's like so much more stuff that they could be doing instead of reading your long stuff. So it's like, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, I think that's what's kind of cool about BuzzFeed now is like. A lot of people, like a lot of people that are creating content for them, are using their platform now that they have an audience to like say like more controversial, make more controversial points. Like a lot of um, Eugene's videos are like very like polarizing, right? Like some of his views. Like, yeah, I like. I, I like, appreciate. He goes that. in the cross dressing. He goes in like things that like maybe if you were playing it safe, you probably wouldn't do. But because they have that platform, right? I don't think like the the. I think the general age old, like this is way before we ever became of age or before we ever existed. Everyone's always going to look at the new generation as they're lesser than and they're more selfish than and they're more spoiled and pampered. And like when we had our back in our day, we were, you know, more hardworking and we all that stuff. Right. That attitude. That's forever. I, I find myself. I do that occasionally. But I think and I've said this before, because I'm a little bit older and I work with like a lot of college student and younger professionals with collaboration. For me, I'm like every generation has its idiots. Every every generation has its its group of people who really could care less about the well-being of the world and, you know, making the world a better place. They're just kind of here to be there and have fun and move on. That's I think every generation. We have no way of like saying back in 1900 
if they were way better or way worse or what, you know, we don't know. All we know is now. And my theory is I think every generation is the same because you just think that your generation was smarter and better, more hardworking, et cetera. I say that millennials and Gen Z, actually Gen Z has been getting a lot of um, good press saying that like they're so much more purpose driven. Well, because everyone hates us. Well, whatever that's uh, besides that it's just they, that they are growing up with all this privilege of information but i would say with any privilege comes with a lot of pressure and burden like they're growing up knowing so much more than i ever knew as a kid and that's got to stress like i don't know i just like knowing how i am i've been so stressed out and worried and like you know what i'm saying like it's so easy to become pessimistic and cynical so they have a lot to deal with on their own um just having so much information right in front of them so but i heard that you know they're very much more concerned about things having um purpose or like having something that is meaningful or that's going to do something good in this world versus just making money whereas yeah we're we're given the bad rep millennials are given the bad well, no rep that's like, actually what they say millennials are like millennials care about like work they millennials care less about like we're not like our we were parents the transition. Like, we're not money driven we're not yeah. money driven we're purpose driven yeah, yeah. I that's, heard them a, a lot about Gen Z maybe yeah. then we're the it's starters it's because would... a lot of our parents like in, in, like, in the baby boomer generation like a lot of them got laid off from mm-hmm. companies that they've worked like they've dedicated like 15 years right, to right. and it's just like you, you watch your parents get laid off or get fired mm-hmm. from these jobs that they from these careers that that's the only thing they've known their entire life pretty much right and it's just like okay well what's the point of putting your loyalty in one company right like find a find a job find a career that you actually enjoy and love and money is just temporary it can be gone tomorrow like right. yeah so i think millennials definitely they are more purpose-driven so maybe it's like increasing from gen x then i don't know i don't read the the generational study but i i'm not surprised to hear that and i think again this like people can hate on like there's so many jokes and so many ongoing things on like TV shows or movies just saying like oh god you're on your phone again and to a degree I completely agree it's annoying that we're all addicted to our electronics I totally am guilty you know but at the same time because you're consuming all this information and all these like stimuli like telling you that this is the state of the world who knows what the outcome's going to be is what I'm saying and in that way I'm very optimistic of like we're not going to just consume and then like do nothing about it. I think we consume so much and then are driven to then contribute something more, something greater, I think. Like, that's what I get to be around, and so I'm grateful. But then I see, like, oh, there's kids who just want to be Kylie Jenner. <laughs> did we did we help? Was that helpful? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That was very helpful. Yeah, I mean... Thank you. I think it's just, it's more, it's less, it's more digital in Kinda, terms of consumption, yeah. but it's also just, you know, a lot of us have more time because we're not working. That was bleak. <laughs> um, what are you one, saying? We're working more. One, <laughs> that's such a lie. <laughs> one less uh, a topic is uh, talk a little about pop culture gas because Brira, you just uh, just watched the Star Wars movies for the first time. <laughs> All of them in How one that? day. That is intense. Like ten you. hours of just. So is that after pressure of like people saying, "How can you not have watched this?" Forever? Oh, so it it just pretty much started because um, I I graduated from film school. But I haven't watched a lot of movies. I haven't watched a lot of the classics. Um, when I got into film school, I was I, I kind of panicked because I was like, what am I going to do? I haven't watched anything. <laughs> and then I went to school and they kind of expect you to have already watched these classics. 
And it's just, I, it never... They talk to you, like, tribal knowledge. They're like, and oh, then, yeah, and then I'm just like, oh, like, I should really watch these films. So I made a list of all these, like, films I haven't watched, like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, <laughs> 2001, <laughs> Space Odyssey, Citizen Kane. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go through all of these movies in one year. In a, in a year. <laughs> I think there were about 50 movies on that list. How far are you? I've only gotten like maybe 15. That's, so. that, but I'm saying that's a very, very ambitious. We only have 52 weeks in the year. You yeah. have 15 movies? That's, that's like weekends and weekends of I mean, movies. originally I was going to like, I was going to write about each movie that I watch, but um, I was like, I do not have time Tumblr. for that. Yeah. So just you can do like it. a, sum it up in like a haiku kind of thing, like a challenge. You know what I'm saying? That's a good challenge because <laughs> yeah. you want to review and get your thoughts out, yeah. but like succinctly yeah. or like I mean, in a tweet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, it's always interesting because like um, when I was in business school, I had a friend who had never seen a lot of movies. So when we would make like Anchorman references or like any like movie references, you'd be like, what's that? I don't get it. Yeah. Like Gladiator, like she hasn't even seen um, Princess Bride. <gasps> a lot of people haven't seen Princess Bride. A lot of people haven't watched like the Goonies. Like there's so many like cult classics to me or like staples like Coming to America. Everyone knows like sexual chocolate, but like there's so many people don't know yeah. what the hell I'm saying. I mean, everyone's got their cult, like I guess pop culture blind spot. Yeah. Like my friend just had like a huge, just everything because she never watched movies growing up. So well, I, I didn't watch movies growing up either. <laughs> yeah. And it's always, yeah. it's always very awkward because... Um, like pe- like people have like television references like oh I grew up watching Sesame Street right. or like or like Gargoyles or whatever and I was oh, just like gargoyles. I don't know any of these shows exactly and then I and and then like my parents kind of like released their grip on me in middle school or like high school <laughs> and that's when I just binged oh. <laughs> like I was like what are all of these shows glued to the TV seeing? yeah like my dad was always a, like a pop culture like like fanatic like he would watch movies every like we would go to blockbuster or the blockbuster equivalent every week and rent a new movie but my blind spot was always always like you know when you're a kid like there's the there's the boy movies and the girl movies I don't know. So like the girl, yeah. like the first time I ever saw Clueless was last year at a collaboration retreat when Minji forced me to watch it. When the heck did I do that? At the collaboration retreat last at the year. Collaboration retreat. I didn't year. force yeah. anyone to watch Clueless. Yeah, there's... look at Marvin making up lies again. I never did. <laughs> I was probably watching it. I didn't make you guys watch it. There was, there was but it's one, a great movie, so you're one, welcome. There's only one TV. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I didn't know Paul Rudd was in this. Yeah, no, a lot of people, again, like, it's so funny. When you get older, you realize, like, yes, there are the girl movies and boy movies, but everyone enjoys, everyone enjoys rom-coms, and then people who say that they don't are liars. Because my friends who watched um, When Harry Met Sally, maybe it's because of the age thing, they're a little bit more mature and have been through relationships, and they understand the whole male-female friendship I, dynamic. I wasn't allowed to watch that movie. Why weren't you allowed to watch it? I was like, oh, because the <laughs> orgasm scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a great movie. It's a great story. But like a bunch of my guy friends watched it later because I kept nagging, like made references to it. And they're like, that's really, really smart. It was written by a man and woman together. Like they wrote it together to like highlight this funny dynamic men and women. Can women and men be friends? And yeah, I, I was like, why is this a girl movie? Because it's talking about relationships. It's, it's because of marketing. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> because marketing. Yes. Because we saw pink aisles at Toys R Us. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Eddie, what got, other girl you any, movies? You got any blind spots? Like uh, Crossroads. That was. I never watched. Is that Britney Spears? Yeah. Why would you watch that? I that's I never watched it because it was a girl movie. I never watched it. And I'm a girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like good film. Um, yeah, I haven't watched any of this. Or I, I think I watched the first Star Wars, but I don't remember it. It's okay. You got time until the next one comes out. 
That's I true. I don't even know when the next one's coming out. Christmas. It looks pretty awesome. It looks cool. I'm, very, it's not I'm really very excited. Into sci-fi. Yeah. And then the next movie coming out next year has Asians, like, well, they've always had Asians in the background. This one has actual, like, hopefully speaking roles, hopefully. Hopefully. I was looking at the um, the picture, the cast picture, and their costumes still look, look pretty Asian. Like, well, it's always like, been that way, I feel I guess. like. For, like, I feel like the Jedi costume, it's very Japanese. I yeah, feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it looks oh, no, like, yeah. I, I guess. I have high hopes. It's written by Gary Whitta, who's an uh, internet personality and also wrote um, Book of Eli. He wrote After Earth. After Earth. Which I heard wasn't that great. No, it's not. Um, it's but he also, yeah. So he used to be an editor too for a PC Young Gamer. Anyways. I just, oh, that's cool. I think I just accepted that there are certain genres I'm just not into. I'm not really into sci fi unless it's like a really good story and really well directed and well acted. I don't care at all. Mm-hmm. And so. I don't feel bad about that anymore. I think when I was younger and trying to impress a ton of guys, like I would always watch it just so that I could have a reference point or like to please a boyfriend or whatever. You want to watch it? Go for it. If I feel like it, I'll go. I've won- I watched a ton of like really good sci-fi movies and like Interstellar is like a, again another beautiful. I didn't end up liking the story, but um, it was a beautifully shot movie, so I still appreciated it. But that's a movie that I went to watch that I don't think I would have cared to watch when I was younger. Love transcends all, even time. And gravity. It just needs to make sense as well. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah? Yeah, and comic book movies. Like, again, I did not grow up reading comic books. I re- I grew up reading Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes. That was the extent of, like, my I, comic book I stuff. Watched, I watched a lot of anime. And yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, and like, I wasn't into that. The comic book movies they make now, like, especially the Marvel ones, they, they make it so that they're they're accessible to general And I like that. I love They use, it. like, you know, general, like, movie, you know. When I watched Avengers, I like that was like the best. I loved Avengers. I loved (laughs) Captain America. I loved the first Iron Man. After that, I was like, what happened? But you know, people like good movies, so I feel like you can take any subject and make it cool. Yeah, I kind of grew up watching anime too. I think feel like if you grew up watching that stuff, like you kind of you're hardwired to understand more complex stories. Because 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 I feel like in Asia, um, like Asian animation, um, it's not focused just towards kids it's just a medium where you tell yeah. your stories and and they're super into like psychological yeah there's like, a lot deep, of psychological like, drama yeah, like you learn about carl Jung and like freudian like, like you a can lot of watch you can watch yeah. a movie like totoro <laughs> or like or like grave of the fireflies they're made by the same studio but one is like a w- war movie and people die <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah Intense. And Totoro is just yeah. like an imaginary like. <laughs> yeah, you want to watch some good fluffy action, thing. Like, I think Princess Mononoke is like freaking bloody. That's Actually, when those two film. movies uh, came out, it, it came around. It came out around the same time, I think. So they were playing in the theaters. Wow! And they would have uh, they would, like these little kids would go on field trips and they would watch both movies. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell yeah. like which one, like if they saw like Grave of the Fireflies first, like there's a difference. It's <laughs> like oh yeah. These what? kids are more jaded. <laughs> <laughs> Media Learned matters. Early on. Yeah. Well, that's our roundtable section. Thanks for, thanks for discussing. Thanks for sharing your Star Wars thoughts. <laughs> Sorry, we, we, we kind of went on a tangent. No, yeah. it's all good. This, yeah. Well, that's what happens. It's like The new ones suck. <laughs> so bad. It was so a, bad. I, I expected it to be bad, but it was, it was so bad to a point where I just had to like, I think you have to watch eyes. it as a little kid. In order to appreciate it, like, like Anakin yeah. got really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I didn't finish any of them. Yeah. Just, like, could not again. That was something I did like to please a boyfriend, like because he really wanted to go watch it, and then I was like, okay, no more. Uh, but he regretted it too. No, I think he was. Well, that one was. 
<laughs> well, that's a clobcast. Thanks for joining us. Once again, thanks to our guests, Ada Sang and Rira Yu. Um, you can catch their work on Audrey, Asia Pacific Arts, and Korea on the internet. Um, if you have anybody to plug for Haikus for Hotties calendar, send it to... Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think voting closes Tuesday night. So tonight, so you can check if you're out. listening tonight. Um, where, where, they, where can they go? <laughs> Do you guys have any final things to plug? <laughs> oh, I mean, Audrey, I think we both have issues coming out. Um, the next issue of Audrey Magazine um, should be coming out. Actually, I have a copy of it, but I think they just mailed it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Constance Wu is on the cover. Nice. So, and I wrote that story. And it's really long. <laughs> I'm sure it's really so well written. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone though. will read it, but but it's it's nice because you kind of see her fresh off the boat as this '90s mom, and we have her sort of in more glamorous clothing. It's kind of it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Awesome. Yeah. Read anything you got coming up? Um, we're going into print this week for for Coriam and who's on the cover this time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know who's on the cover so find out we'll find out <laughs> and again if you want to ask us any questions um, send it to podcast at collaboration.org we will read it on the air because we like it we were actually sent us um, a really quick questionnaire last time the where we found out that test. I am a vibrant bazaar and Minji is a cold office building she's still having problems I was with that. thinking about bringing like another test with me like to this podcast <laughs> do it you have to come but... back and we have to <laughs> yeah and for um, for the collab cast, I'm Marvin. I'm Minji. And we'll see you later. <laughs>